This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile, and I am joined again by my friend and fellow co-expert, Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you? No, I'm doing well, man. How about you? I am doing well on this Festivus, and that's what we're going to talk about today, Festivus and Christmas, because, you know, Festivus is for the rest of us. (laughs) It's just a holiday episode, and I think what better time to air the grievances than actually on Festivus. And as we all know, um, Rockies fans um, have a few grievances, unfortunately, uh, with the team, whether it's with the team, with ownership, with front office, you name it, whatever it is, that there's some kind of grievance and mainly for good reason. Um, For sure. So I do have to say, though, there's one thing that they cannot air a grievance on. And that is that Jeff Breidich is no longer the Rockies GM. You know, that is exactly true. But yet I have seen a few comments about the, the way that uh, Bill Schmidt has handled some things this offseason and mostly around the John Gray leaving and not getting anything in return for Gray that people are wondering, is, is this really going to be better? And, and I think you and I have talked on the podcast that while you can certainly air grievances about John Gray leaving and them getting nothing in return, I also think it's way too soon to say that Bill Schmidt is going to be just like Jeff Breitch, because I don't think we can answer that question in any way, shape, or form. And frankly, until the lockout happens, what's he going to do? Right. Uh, it's not like he can sign Mike Trout to a minor league deal. Well, and, and Rockies fans are there's there's quite a few that I've talked to that I have read on Twitter, uh, you know, uh, that they're upset the Rockies really didn't do much before the lockout. Well, you know, Yankees fans are saying the same exact thing. There, there's a lot of fan bases out there that really, outside of the Chris Taylor signing for the Dodgers, that that fan base can say they didn't do much before the lockout either. So I I think if you're going to get angry about something, getting angry about that may be the wrong way to to push that emotion. I think you've got to wait and see who they actually bring in and what kind of deals are struck before you really see how angry you're going to get. Yeah. And I, I do think that um, it could be a problem for the Rockies, not signing somebody before the lockout, because as we've kind of seen, and we've heard from some reports, um, including Patrick Saunders of the Denver post, doesn't seem like the lockout is going to be ending anytime soon. We know it's not going to end at least for another few weeks because they aren't even in discussions right now. They are not going to begin or resume uh, anything until after the new year. But spring training could, at least according to Patrick Saunders, be delayed. And, and I can see that happening. And, you know, my daughter's birthday is February 1st. And so I, in my head, I was like, by the time her birthday rolls around, I think they've got to have something in place for pitchers and catchers to really report about two weeks later and for spring training to stay on track. 
And, you know, the further we get into this and the less discussion there is and everything else, I really wonder if that's even a possibility. So I think Patrick mentioning, you know, in his recent mailbag about spring training being delayed, I think there's good reason for that. But you and I have also discussed how much spring training do you really need? Is it going to impact a Herman Marquez or a Ryan McMahon as much as it is a player who's trying to make the team or them trying to evaluate some of the younger talent? That's where I think it matters more. Um, uh, at the risk of sounding like a man saying to get off my lawn, um, players really don't need much spring training at all, in my opinion. But in the same essence, if they don't get a full spring training, if you think players are coddled now, watch them be coddled even more. Sure. After the season starts. Oh, this pitcher's at 70 in it, uh, 70 pitches through five innings. Eh, let's pull him. Well, oh, this guy has 65 pitches through four and two thirds. Let's pull him. No. There, well, there's a reason why they're paid uh, five, 10, 20, 30 million, 40 million a year. And it's because they can train in the off season. Now, granted, you could say with this off season, oh, well, they don't have the team facilities, but if you're a guy like, for example, Max Scherzer, who is making more than anybody else in the major leagues, yep. you really have no excuse to not be able to find somewhere to train. Now, if you're making minimum wage in the uh, majors, or if you aren't signed and you're kind of a fringe major leaguer guy, Okay, you've got more of an excuse. But if you're the, essentially, if you're the top flight guys, even like the Rockies, okay, most of the baseball world would say that they're not the quote unquote top flight guys. But you look at their team, and for example, what is Herman Marquez making this year? In 2022, he's going to be making $11 million, more than $11 million. So, he can. He has the ability to be able to find somewhere to train. Sure. So you can't, at least for me, I don't buy into the excuse of, oh, well, we have to limit his innings and all that. And I said this in October with Milwaukee and Corbin Burns. Oh, well, we're going to save him because he needs his rest. Well, he'll have three months to rest now. And maybe even more now with the lockout. But he'll have three months to rest. You can go out there and start. Well, and and here's the thing. I don't think we have to go too far back to see how a shorter spring training might impact things because look back at the COVID year, 2020. Look back at that summer camp. You know, uh, pitchers and catchers didn't report until July 1st. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. They actually had everybody report on July 1st. So everybody came back on the 1st. But workouts and everything else really didn't start happening until later in the month. And then you had at the end of the month uh, that games actually started. I think the Rockies' first game that year was July 28th. So, you know, there's been precedent very recently for how a shorter spring training would impact pitchers, would impact players. So this isn't a new thing, and this isn't something that they're going to have to really recreate a blueprint from scratch. You only got to go back a couple of years to say, okay, if we only get X amount of spring training, this is what it might look like. And also, too, I mean, you you have to look a little bit farther, but 
most people don't realize, and I'll actually have an article on this on Call to the Pen, our sister site that covers all MLB stuff. Um, I'll have that here on their site soon. But the last time the MLB lockout, uh, the last time MLB had a lockout, not a strike, was 1990. And it happened in spring training. They started it in February. It lasted 32 days. Yeah. But it virtually wiped out spring training. They didn't come to an agreement until March 19th. And guess what? What did they do? They just pushed everything back a week. They pushed uh, the opening day started April 9th. They, they did add in three days to the season. But essentially, that was just for travel purposes. But they added three extra days into the season, moved opening day back a week to April 9th. It was supposed to start April 2nd. Still had 162 games, and off they went. Yep. So you can still get stuff done in March. I mean, I hope it doesn't come to that, but you can still have a full season then. Now, sure. for example, like you mentioned with your daughter's birthday being February 1st, mine's April 15th. If you're, if you still haven't reached a deal by my birthday. Oh, yeah. There's a problem. Now, I really hope we don't reach to your birthday, Kevin, because considering <laughs> your birthday is November 27th. Nice job. Nice yeah. job. Now, and, and here's the thing. I don't <laughs> I I think that had we not had the COVID season, that owners might be a little more dug in their heels. But mm-hmm. I think knowing all the revenue that was lost in 2020. Plus, at the start of 2021, when we were trying to figure out attendance and everything else, I think the owners remember that. And I think that they're going to want to make sure that 2022 is as much of a revenue generating opportunity as possible. Yeah. And I mean, for example, unless you really dig into the numbers attendance wise, you, you look at the numbers and you're like, what am I supposed to make of this? Because each team had a different time that they came to Absolutely. 100% capacity. Absolutely. You really, you can't judge before that. I mean, no. okay, a team's at 20% capacity, but they're full. Okay, so what am I supposed to make of that? Now, there are some teams, like, for example, the Marlins. They had like 10, 20% capacity, and they couldn't fill that. Okay, Absolutely. you can probably say the Marlins, and you can say this about Florida in general, really only spring training should be there. Yeah. Sorry, Marlins. No. Sorry, Rays. You shouldn't be there. You probably should relocate, but that's a, that's a hot take by me. Um, well, and and I think that you look at you know think back to opening day 2.0 last year, which I believe was June 28th against Pittsburgh. You know that was the first time that the Rockies could have full attendance. Everything else. So you're talking well, almost three months into the season before the Rockies could have full attendance at Coors Field. And by then, we also know what was going on with the Rockies. They had struggled out of the gate, you know, and and there's only, you know, I know there's plenty of, oh, people are just going to go for the beers and sunset. Yes, to an extent, but there's only so many of those games that you can really go to if the team isn't winning. Or if, you know, hey, every town loves a winner. Denver is no different. And until the Rockies can win, those September games on a Tuesday night are going to draw 12,000 people probably yeah, because the Broncos are in town and everything else. So you've got to get back to winning 
And Dick Monfort knows this too. This isn't something that's that's rocket science by any stretch. Yeah. So I, I think that you've got to look at this year as the owners, including Dick Monfort, are going, we've got to take advantage of the opportunity to make some money back, knowing that, you know, as of the time of this recording, everything's going to be back open. Everything's going to be full capacity, everything like that. So, yeah, that's something where you can definitely have your Festivus with Dick Monfort. You can have it with him on the Rockies. You can have it with him on being the commit on being with the committee for um, for the uh, lockout and all that. But eventually the owners and, and really the players too have to realize something's got to get done. Yeah. I yeah. mean, sometimes it's, you have to give up stuff you don't want to, but we also all know nearly 30 years ago now with the 94, 95 strike, that was a train wreck for baseball and the players really for baseball more than anything. Yep. The players ended up getting out pretty well for baseball. It was a train wreck and you want to know why we're talking about uh, steroid guys and hall of fame stuff and how there's a double standard with Bud Selig and then the players who took steroids the double standard was there because of the strike. Absolutely. Bud wanted revenue. And mind you, who's the interim commissioner up until 98, our acting commissioner? He wanted revenue. So he turned a blind eye to steroids because steroids brings homers. And homers, guess what, Kevin? Chicks dig the long ball. Absolutely. Your Atlanta Braves. And that puts fannies in seats. It's true. It's true. And I think we've got to remember that. And I also think that we've got to remember that there are a lot of players who still aren't signed. Trevor Story being among them. There are a lot of players that the longer this drags out, the less opportunity they have to fully examine the market. And so there's going to not only be pressure on the owners to get something done, but there's going to be pressure on the MLBPA to get something done because they've got Correa, Story, pick guys that need to still be signed and for big paychecks. Yeah. And it's not like you've just got Pat Vileka out there and 20 of them. Okay. The, who cares? But right. you got Carlos Correa, you got Trevor story, you got Castellanos, Schwarber, Seiya Suzuki coming over from Japan. You have a lot of big guys who have yet to sign. Absolutely. And I think that that's the really big thing that we've got to remember is that there's pressure on both sides to get something done. And it doesn't surprise me that they took off through the holidays and that they'll restart yeah. again after the first of the year. But I think those first couple of meetings, once they come back in 2022, I think that's when we're going to know maybe just how long this thing's going to be dug in. Yeah. If it's, if it's a meeting like uh, right at the end before the lockout where they had an eight minute meeting and said, see ya something like that we've got issues agreed so well on the other side of this break we will talk more about festivus and christmas stuff for colorado rockies fans we'll talk about that on the other side of this break here on the rocks pile rockies report back here on the rocks pile rockies report noah youngling and kevin henry here with you and it's festivus so we're talking about some of the things where you can have grievances but What's some stuff that you think, Kevin, Rockies fans would have on their wish list for Christmas 
from Nick Monfort? I, I think to clear up the outfield situation, including some new blood in the outfield. How about that? I think that it would be signing a big free agent, somebody that people can actually get excited about. You know, I, I don't in my heart believe a Schwarber or Cassianos is going to show up in Colorado, but I think it's going to take something like that for the Rockies fans to see, okay, this franchise actually has a plan and is moving forward and isn't going to just settle with the same old, same old in the lineup every day. How about you? I completely agree. And the thing is, and we've been looking, uh, if you haven't checked the site, we've been checking every single team. Uh, we're just finishing up the American League West, and we'll then we'll go on to the National League. But the Rockies, whether it's free agent signing or trades, they have to do something. Yeah. I mean, we said in the first segment, okay, you didn't do anything in the before the lockout. Okay, that's fine. But you better do something once the lockout ends. Sure. Now you might only have a week to do it. I mean, obviously you'll have, I shouldn't say only have a week. You only have a week before spring training starts or two, but you've got to get something done. Enough yeah. of the, Oh, well, these, these guys, they're loyal to us. So we're going to give them ample opportunity. Okay. You can give them ample opportunity, but if they still hit like uh, pardon my French dog shit, then guess what? See ya. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think we have to remember that, and you and I have talked about this on numerous podcasts that to bring back the same old and say, well, we hope they play better. We hope they find their stride and you're not bringing back Trevor story and you're not bringing back John Gray. Those are two key pieces that you're missing. So you've got to figure out a way to replace those. And it can't just be, Gosh, here's hoping that Sam Hilliard finds his swing in 2022. We all hope Sam Hilliard does, but that's not a strategy to hope. Well, Hilliard looked good in winter ball, so he's going to look good in spring or he's going to look good in June. I don't know that I'm buying that theory. Yeah, can't you can't be passive. You have to be active. Okay, you want to be in the playoffs next year or you want to take a step forward? Do something. Yeah. Now, yeah, we, oh, well, we hope this guy in double A, we hope that he'll be a, a contributor to the major league team sometime in 2022. Yeah. Good luck with that. Good luck. Well, and, and, we, <laughs> and, you know, you and I talked about on the last episode how the Diamondbacks signed Melanson. Yeah. The Diamondbacks figured out before the, before the lockout happened what their end of the road or end of the bullpen was going to look like. Still can't say that about the Rockies. Yeah. And I'm going to give a, another hint of an article that we'll have sometime soon on the site as well. Melanson is one of the biggest misses the Rockies had this offseason. And at least in my opinion, they really should have gone after him. Because as we all know, especially with the Rockies rotation, ground ball rate works at Coors Field. The higher the ground ball rate, the better they're going to be at Coors Field. There's a reason why, if you look since 2019 among starters with a minimum of 300 innings pitched, the top 17, there are three Rockies in there. Three. Senzatella, yep. Marquez, and John Gray, who's, see ya, gone. Yep. So now you're down to two. Yeah. 
And you want to guess who the Rockies' number one reliever in 2021 was by ground ball rate? Sheffield? Negative. Who? The Colorado native. Oh, Colorado native. That'd be Lucas, I'm betting. Yep. And guess what, Mark Melanson? If you look since uh, 2019, relievers minimum of 100 innings. Melanson's ground ball rate, 59.4%. That would be number one on any, of anyone on the Rockies. That was sixth highest in all of baseball. And he's a Colorado native. Yeah. Hello? What are you doing? Well, you know, and, and that's the thing that we've seen, you know, Ty Block coming back to the Rockies. You know, I mean, they have signed some Rockies or Colorado guys back on minor league deals. You know, they've signed them back, you know, to try to work them up through the system. But I agree with you. I think Melanson was a guy, you know, and I was thinking about this whenever I asked that of Bill Schmidt at at the winter meetings, or I'm sorry, at the GM meetings, about do Colorado guys, should they get a bigger view from the Rockies because they know about the altitude and everything. And absolutely, Melanson was one of the first guys I was thinking of with that. So I think you're spot on that, you know, if we could get back in a time machine and figure out a way how to outbid the Diamondbacks from Melanson, I can't imagine he would rather go to Arizona than he would here to Colorado. Yeah, at, at least you would think. Now, who knows? Could be wrong, but still, I mean, it's especially for figuring out the Rockies bullpen. And that that's something that Rockies fans should have on their wish list is. God help us with, with the bullpen. Please find yeah. somebody. Yeah. So, and the thing is, like we said, with the ground ball rate, with the rotation, the Rockies know this. They know that with the rotation. Now you look at the relievers, and we mentioned that Lucas Gilbreth had the highest ground ball rate of any reliever for the Rockies, minimum 40 innings pitched. And he was 70th. In baseball in 2021, among relievers with a minimum of 40 innings. And guess what? He pitched way better at Coors Field than he did on the road. Sure. And the number two guy was, I believe, 91st. Yeah, 91st overall in ground ball rate. And that was Ulysses Seen. And guess who uh, who also pitches better at Coors Field? Ulysses Seen. Right. Uh, It's... But the thing is, Gilbreth is 70th on the list. The Rockies don't have anybody in the top 70. That's a problem. <laughs> it, it is a problem. I agree with you. And it's, I think it's a problem that there's a lot of holes still left to be filled on this team. And, and again, I did not expect them to be active before the lockout. Nope. I did not expect them to do make a big splash in any way, shape, or form. And all the rumors linked to Chris Bryant and all, and all this stuff. Hey, that, that's great for us to write about. But I'm going to tell you, there was no way that Chris Bryant was coming through those doors before December 1st hit. Oh, God, no. Yeah. So I think that we've got to figure out, as a fan base, what is it going to take to get excited about 2022 or at least to see that there's movement forward? And, again, I think it goes back to – are you going to bring in some fresh blood and not the super bullpen, you know, not, not that whole thing, but are you going to bring in some fresh blood on offense and supplement that with some fresh blood at, on the mound 
to help people understand that you actually are willing to spend the money and spend it wisely. Yeah. And that's the thing. The Rockies, uh, one thing that fans criticize Monfort for, and I, in my opinion, it's wrong, is that the Rockies don't spend money. No, that's it's not true. The it problem isn't. is they spend their money terribly. Yep. And then, like with Nolan Arenado, you can very easily make the case that they made that extension knowing and hoping that he would hop, uh, that he would opt out. There's a yep. reason why they wanted that opt out in there. Nolan Arenado didn't want that opt out in there. The Rockies did. Agreed. That tells you something right there. So, I mean, are they willing to spend? Yes. They just, they essentially like to throw it down the toilet. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you can't have a Mike Dunn. You can't have a Jason Mott. You can't have a Chad Qualls. You can't have an Ian Desmond. You can't have a Daniel Murphy. You can't have all these that they have missed on in recent times. And again, different regime. So let's, let's yeah. pump the brakes a little bit. Different regime. But I also think that it's something that if Bill Schmidt is going to separate himself from those ghosts of uh, seasons past, shall we say, then it's going to be spending the money wisely and figuring out guys, as you said, who can throw ground balls at Coors Field, guys who have the launch angle to hit those doubles and triples in the gap and boost the Rockies offense. That's the key. And the, and the thing is, too, like, for example, Chad Qualls is a great ground – or was, I should say. He's no longer pitching. He was a great ground ball pitcher. But the problem is it's not the complete be-all, end-all. You still have to, you know, not walk a ton of batters. That's the key. Absolutely. You can't give up uh, 15 hits per nine innings. So th- there is stuff where, obviously – Ground ball rate is a good barometer, but for example, in 2016 for the Rockies, he allowed 12 hits per nine innings. He allowed 1.4 homers per nine innings. He had a ground ball rate that was uh, 55%, which is very good. But the problem is, is if you're throwing 90 miles an hour on a fastball and you just happen to miss a location that's right down the middle, don't be expect, don't be surprised if it's hit 500 feet away. Yeah, so I, I think if you're looking at a Christmas wish list, I think the biggest wish list that any Rockies fan would say is, give me hope. Give me direction. Give me something that I can say, okay, I see a path. I understand where you're going. And it goes back to something that never happened during the Jeff Bryce area, and, and I hope it will with Bill Schmidt. We never knew what the Rockies were thinking. We never knew what direction or plan there was. Now, do I expect them to open everything up? No, but I can tell you covering multiple franchises, the Rockies are among the worst at communicating with their fans on. We believe this. Here's why we did this. Here's what we see. And I think that it's going to take a little bit of that damn breaking for the fans to really at least buy back in a little bit to what's happening at 20th and black. Yeah. And the thing is, there's a lot of areas. It, if we're talking wish list. I mean, not everything's going to be fulfilled on a wish list. I mean, I could ask to be a millionaire and I could ask for a Ferrari, but 
probably not going to happen. But if you're making a wish list, what do the Rockies need? Arguably a backup catcher. They need at least one infielder to replace Story. At least one. Um, you need a left fielder. You need a center fielder. You need a DH because the DH is probably coming. Mm -hmm. um, you need probably two or three guys on the bench because e even if they're not on the bench, they need depth. Absolutely. You need a starting pitcher. You need about three guys who could be long relievers or starting pitchers that are not Chichi Gonzalez. Uh, you need probably three relievers. Uh, also, yeah. too, you need probably probably a catcher down in Albuquerque. You need if you go to Albuquerque because you're talking about depth for the major league team. There's too many things to list. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's the thing, you know, and, and we've talked about it is that, you know, signing Chris Bryant would be awesome. Yeah. So would Cassianos. Absolutely. But one player isn't going to be enough to really change things. But one player can at least say, here's why we did this. And here's our goal moving forward with that. And, and I think that you've got to say this, you know, because you and I have talked about, and you wrote it last year before the season, how it was the most important year in Rockies history because we were going to see all these guys and how they did. And if you look back, the majority of those guys didn't meet the test. Bingo. On the other side of the break, we will talk about the team in the American League that is the epitome of the Colorado Rockies and it's not the team that you think of. And we'll also talk about what the Rockies can learn from Netflix. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry here with you. And we were talking about before the break how the Rockies really didn't have anybody step up and lack of depth. And in years past, how they just had essentially two, three, four guys that were the top guys for them. And there wasn't much else on the team. Case in point of you, baseball is not basketball. You cannot have LeBron James on your team and have a team full of, as uh, Stephen A. Smith has said, bona fide scrubs. Look at the Los Angeles Angels. We just did a trade target thing, uh, article on them. And I was looking the list. I'm like, holy hell. How do you have this bad of a team around Otani, Trout, and Rendon? And that's probably what Otani, Trout, and Rendon are asking, <laughs> to be honest with you. you I know. mean, you have Max Stassi hitting fifth in your lineup. What the? How are you yeah. supposed to contend with that? And they were a 74 win team. Now, they would have been a little bit better had Mike Trout been healthy all year. But, but they wouldn't have competed with the Astros or the Mariners. Oh, God, no. No. You look at the. Look on baseball reference and you look at the angels and you at the top, they have the top 12 players in war. Number one, Shohei Otani, 9.1. Number two, Rysel Iglesias, their closer, 2.8. Yep. Yeah. And, and how often, you know, Otani at least would hit, 
you know, so, so, you know, why his war was a little higher because he was doing it from both yeah. sides, you know, things I get that, but at the same time, you know, trout injured, there's why you can't say, Oh, we're going to depend on this. It's like in fantasy football, spending all your money on one guy, the, you know, the stud running back, uh, Christian McCaffrey fans. And all of a sudden he's out, you know, for most of the season. And, and that's going to be a recipe for disaster. The Rockies did that for a long time around Nolan and Trevor and Charlie. And guess what? They did nothing. Yep. As a team, nothing. So that's, that's not the recipe. So again, Christmas wish, show us something different. Show us, show us a reason why we've got, we will watch this team in 2022. And it's no longer, well, Kyle Freeland's going to take the next step. And what will Herman Marquez do? There's only so often you can sell that, that fans will buy in. Yeah. There's got to be another reason now. By the way, for the Angels, Mike Trout, he played in a total of 36 games in 2021. You want to guess on baseball reference where he is ranked on their team in war? Eighth. Tied for sixth. Jeez. 36 games. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> And he had a 1.8 war. Now that tells you how good Mike Trout is, but also that tells you how terrible, terrible the Angels are outside of the Look at their pitching staff, and you're like, holy God, outside of Otani. Okay, you've heard of Rysel Iglesias, Steve Ciszek. And after that, you're like, where is the where's yeah. the major league pitching? Well, <laughs> we you know we talk so often about how the Mariners are the AL. Rockies, you know, I've heard that said so many times. I'm going to tell you, I think it's the Angels actually yeah. are the AL Rockies, uh, you know, and I think that until Except the, Angels, the Rockies have more pitching than the Angels, so they, they do no doubt about that. They do. I, I agree with you, but I think if you look at the cumulative firepower of one team versus another, yeah. it's pretty close. Let's be honest here, you know. But I, but I think that the Angels are in the exact same predicament that the Rockies are. They're in a division that's going to be really good next year. And even the Rangers, who were really bad last year, took a lot of steps forward. If you're a Rockies fan right now, would you be excited if they had had the offseason so far that the Texas Rangers have had? Probably. Absolutely. Absolutely you would. Because there's reason for hope. And I think at Christmas and, and the holidays, you know, that's what we have to, it, it's the time for hope. It's and New Year's, it's the time for new beginnings, all that stuff. You know, that's what we need as baseball fans. Give me hope. Give me a reason. And so far, we're still waiting for it. By the way, uh, for the farm system rankings too, the Angels don't have a great farm system. See, AL Rockies, I'm telling you. They're 24th. Rockies, according to MLB.com, 26th. Tell me. So, well, Noah, it's, there's a lot to wish for. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things, directions the Rockies could go over the next few weeks. And, of course, it's going to be after lockout that anything happens. So, it's just going to be us predicting and talking and breaking it down and everything else. But the cool thing is, You've actually, you know, you mentioned the series that you've been doing on our site, and it is really cool to break down from every team possibilities. If the Rockies were to be active in the trade market, possibilities that might help the team flourish. And also, too, like even for me, I mean, I knew the Angels were not a good team, but 
You, as I looked at baseball reference, I looked at fan graphs, I looked at their projected team, and I'm like, who wants to trade with the Angels? I mean, yeah. you aren't getting Trout, you aren't getting Otani, you aren't getting Rendon. And it's like, holy after crap, that, yeah. the rest, the team after that is garbage. <laughs> yeah. Look, and you know, our friend, our friends at the Mariners site, you know, uh, I wrote the article about the Herman Marquez proposed trade. And everybody's always trying to pull Herman Marquez off the Rockies, yeah. always. But, you know, I, and take this for what it's worth, he's their Otani. He's not going anywhere, you yeah. know. He is not Shohei Otani. I did not say that. But in the Rockies' eyes, he's valuable. And just like the Angels aren't going to deal with Otani or Trout, they're not going to deal with Herman Marquez. They're going to use him as that foundation for what's going to move forward. I guess what? They don't do anything this offseason, especially if they don't do anything this offseason. They should trade Marquez. They really they should. should. They should. I, I agree. If we get to this point in April or May, and it's the same old, same old. Assuming the lockout is done by then. Yeah, absolutely. Assuming we're playing baseball, assuming everything is going as normal. If you look and the Rockies haven't changed anything except maybe a backup catcher and an arm in the bullpen. We got uh, we got a backup catcher and we got uh, the Chad Qualls 2.0. Have fun. Yep. Go win the yeah. World Series, guys. But then you're right. Then I, I think that you you blow it up at that point, yeah. And you you wait for the Zach Beans and and that whole you know the Tolias, the Romos, that whole crew to eventually get up there. And and you know and, and this is a bridge year. We've talked about that. It's a bridge year, you know, because again, no matter what the Rockies do this off season, it's not going to put them in the World Series. Okay, it's just not. <laughs> but Unless the, uh, the Dodgers decide. Oh, we're going to blow everything up too. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to do. Yeah. Sorry. We can't get Jansen or Kershaw back. We're done. <laughs> hey, so, that's, yeah. that's a wish list right there too for Rockies fans. Well, it God is. Blow it all up. We, well, and I wish we're going to yeah. blow it up and we're going to relocate to Honolulu. There, there you, you go. go. And Bob Melvin doesn't do well in San Diego and the Giants discovered they're not really as good as everybody thinks. Oh, there's, there's a huge wish list, you know, that could happen. But like you said, you could also be a millionaire and drive a Ferrari too. So. Sorry, that's not happening. At least this year for me. No. Hopefully, twenty twenty two that will be better for me. But agreed. I I uh, I'm confident in saying in the next eight days it will not happen. No, no, I agree with you. By the time we do our next podcast, there will not be any decisions made. I guarantee you that. I do have one more thing though. I have to say for Festivus airing out grievances, yep. and I have one to air out with you, Kevin. You know, you went to all these places for the minor leagues. But yep. damn it, you didn't get to Hartford. I did not. I didn't get to Hartford. And you know what? 2022, I'm already looking at how to make that happen. So well, at least I aired my grievance and you are already fixing it. You know, I'm just going to tell you, we've got to go see some yard goats this year. <laughs> no doubt about that. And here's the other thing, Noah. I've actually got to go to minor league games next year and they actually have to play. I'm going to also say that as a caveat. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah. my mom. <laughs> You know, Albuquerque's great, and that's a beautiful stadium. But guess what? I'd really like to watch a baseball game there. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> you <laughs> so. just bring the uh, you, you are Josh Allenson. You are the bringer of rain. Oh, absolutely. Trust me. And and apparently, you know, uh, the bringer of illness. Uh, whenever it comes to Fresno, they're in beautiful Stockton, California, as well. But hey, that's all past. It's festive time. 
So let's let's do the feats of strength. Let's put up the aluminum pole and let's uh, see what these Rockies are even thinking about doing once the lockout ends. Now, hopefully you are like Kramer, too, and you are actually secretly a doctor. Oh, uh, Dr. Van Nostrand. Absolutely. Come on. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh. Oh, such a good episode. Now I want to go watch that again. So I may have to. Well, hopefully you have Netflix. Yes. Yes, I do, as it turns out. So. Which Netflix, they're getting people dropping their, uh, they were getting people dropping their stuff because they were losing everything, but now they have Seinfeld. So they saved the day. See, yeah. that's what it takes, Noah. Sometimes you got to reverse course, man, and give people hope for sticking with you. I'm just Rockies, saying. you can learn from Netflix. There you go. Right there. Boom. I think that's a good note to end on right there, my friend. I'm just telling I, you. I think we might have to do an article on that. That, that may be a real good one right there. So maybe look for that on rockspell.com soon. Hey. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's always good, man. Enjoyed the time as always. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to give you a big shout out because you've done a, a lot of work during the lockout to provide content and uh, really appreciate that. And looking forward to seeing what other trade options you come up with some other teams as we go along here. And... We'll both have stuff on Call to the Pen as well, so make sure you check out calltothepen.com as well throughout the offseason. We'll have some news on the lockout and all that, as well as rumors and news from other teams as well. I love it, man. All right, so my for my friend and co-expert at Rockspile, Noah Yingling, this is Kevin Henry signing off, wishing you a wonderful holiday season no matter what you celebrate. And as always, go Rockies. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.